I'm Liam. Uh, I work for uh, Trust in Soda during the day. Um, Trust in Soda are a digital and tech recruitment company based in in Manchester. Uh, but during the evenings, we, we host several events. So we've got various platforms, uh, in particular for like this podcast. Uh, I co-organise something called Real UX uh, in Manchester uh, and then something called Soda Social uh, as well. And that's me. Cool. Who's volunteering to be next? I'll be, I'll be next. Well, it's lovely to meet you, Liam. Um, <laughs> I'm Mark, and uh, I, I'm one of the UX guys at Blue Prism. I've been here now since October, so I'm, I'm relatively new, and it's certainly been a learning experience. Um, overall, a positive one, though, I have to say. I don't know. Should I go next? Because alphabetically, yeah. that's how it kind of works. <laughs> Why not? Um, <laughs> so hello i'm nick um i started shortly after mark um with a, a similar sort of skill set and background um recently been focusing on sort of um redesign of illustration and, and things like that uh but again sort of still still a bit of a, lo- a learning process um discovering and learning new things every day really in, in an industry in a team like this which is really good um yeah, that's me. Uh, funnily enough, I started not long after Nick. Uh, <laughs> so I think I'm going on about four or five months now. Um, yeah, I'm a UX um, designer at um, Blue Prism. Um, before that, I did um, SaaS and uh, kind of web products. And then before that, I did more game design stuff. Um, and yeah, that's me. Cool. Lomas. Hello. Hello. James, a um, UX designer. Um, I was, um, what was the third person for the UX team, Paul? Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm one of the two Jameses uh, on Paul's team. Um, uh, I work with, you know, a couple of the uh, web projects that work at the moment and uh, also the, the main product as well. So yeah, that's that's me. Cool. And you uh, all know me, Paul Wilshaw, head of UX UI at Blue Prism and uh, waffler about uh, UX and design in general outside of Blue Prism. So, yeah, that's me. Um, so, yeah, um, nothing too formal on this, uh, Liam. So it's nice to have you on board. And today we're going to be talking all about um, how how recruiters see UX uh, and portfolios and things like that. Uh, and yeah, what do they look for? What can we do better? What are we doing rubbish? <laughs> uh, and, and, and many things like that. We've got a, uh, a lovely list of questions, um, pretty much uh, defined all by Stacey, because um, she's just a genius when it comes to uh, writing questions like this. And she had a lot of them. So <laughs> without further ado, this is the bit where I cut in kind of some of our uh, voiceover stuff, uh, the intro music, uh, and, and do some more wafflings. Hello, welcome to Faster Horses, a UX and UI podcast. The 100% remote working podcast. 
Here on Faster Horses, we'll be exploring everything that is UX, UI, and anything in between. This week, we're looking at recruiting in UX and UI. Let's pretend we've done that and, and move swiftly <laughs> in. Uh, so, so, so Liam, uh, lovely to have you. So, kind of like we are. Um, so, UX UI, uh, it's a it's a tricky business to get into. Um, I remember when I first started getting into this business, I was. Um, I was told, oh, you need experience, but then how do you get experience if you don't have experience? So what would you say for anybody starting out in UX, UI, design in general? What what would you see? What would you want to see from them and what would you tell them? Uh, yeah, that's it's really interesting, you know, just uh, slightly off from that. Whereas if you're recruiting for a software developer or something, you, you kind of expect that kind of background. With, with UX, it's nice to see a mixture. I think that's what makes it so great. It's nice to see like diverse backgrounds in terms of, I don't know, in terms of studies or, or, or like life stories, things like that. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Um, I think particularly in Manchester, um, which is where I look after in the Northwest, it, it's, it, it's going to these events, going to these meetups important i think to surround yourself with with people in that ux world it it's not a big space once you get in there it's hard to get out of it um but getting in there is is just getting in front of the right people really um but we a lot of the, a lot of the juniors that, that do pretty well um and and sort of get get more permanent gigs after you know perhaps after leaving university is, is starting mini projects collaborating with students and 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 doing projects just for fun um, but then explaining processes and things like that from, from some of the projects that they worked on. So just something to, to kind of like build some kind of ex- experience to kind of list through is is pretty important as well. Cool, cool. Uh, sounds good, yeah. So it's kind of like um, best advice is if you've got no experience, get yourself some experience in, in some form or yeah. other. Nice. Just to just to add to that one one thing that because um, I absolutely agree with Leon that networking has been like massively integral to to kind of how I've got myself out there a lot more mm. um, and got talking to people and learn a lot. Um, I find that actually going to events is a good way to learn things, but actually just talking to people who are that level above you is also massively important. Um, so that's why networking is also important. But as well, I think a really good trick is if you're just starting out, look at websites and think, how could I do this better? And then create a case study around that. So go out and do research, go out and um, put together your hypotheses, go out and build it. You don't have to necessarily, you know, um, do like a Google. You could invent your own website Um I've got a friend that does UX design and most of his portfolio is made up of case studies that are just like made up companies and he's just gone in and just done a like um designed them himself, created the branding, uh, and used that as a case study to kind of just show his um way of working and things like that. Mm. Mm. Yeah, cool. I'd I'd even say um, I know some people ask me how do you get into design and I always say do do some volunteering for a charity. Uh, and that's a great way of kind of getting out experience and you know then you learn kind of like some of the the skills 
above design, uh, like managing stakeholders, managing expectations, uh, and all things like that. But yeah, is a real deep learning curve <laughs> into this. Cool. Yeah, that's that's the, the the kind of stuff that you learn on the job, and it all the managing people, managing managers, managing expectations, and stuff like that. That's the. I guess that's the more difficult thing to learn than the actual design and UX part of it. Really. Yeah, so, de- definitely. One of the benefits as well as, as doing it on a voluntary basis is you don't have the the awkwardness of dealing with the money, which is, I mean, that's a lesson unto itself. But I remember my first graphic design gig. I think one of the first was when I was in um, university and um, it was for a charity in India that my friend was running. And they didn't have an identity or anything. And the, the charity was just, it was getting bigger and bigger. Unfortunately, I don't think it's um, still going. I think other commitments got in the way. But they, they were um, schooling uh, poor poor children in, in India's suburbs and whatnot. Um, and, and even then, that was a small job and a free gig, uh, voluntary work. And I still had the the managing expectations managing stakeholders managing um interpreting a brief all that was that was there and it was an experience i could relay later in interviews went a long way nice like it yeah so uh so liam um what kind of like can you do then for a portfolio and kind of what's your experience with portfolios and how have they got people jobs and there's, there's the, the old adjud, um kind of um, fake it till you make it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, no, quite right. And I think um, it's really interesting over the last, uh, over the sort of more recent future, even over the last six months, what the clients that we work with want to see in a portfolio is, is quite different now. Whereas, whereas before they wanted to see visuals and they wanted to see, you know, websites that these these guys may have designed. I think now it, it's more about building up a case study, um, and and telling a bit of a a bit of a story about what the project was. Um, because I think obviously design is all about problem solving, right? So they the, the the clients that we work with would just want to see what the problem was, what 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 you did to solve it, and what the end thing was, but also what you, what you did in particular. It's sometimes quite hard to find in a portfolio in terms of a lot of designers will put what the project was, but which is great. We, we need to know that information, but, um, you know, clients, managers want to know what that particular designer did. Um, I've got like a, a, a checklist that I go through on a, on a, you know, what I look for on a portfolio and what, what other clients look for. And, and it all comes into a similar areas just want to see a story, want to learn about the processes, um, want to know how that particular balances different areas of the business and stakeholders is such a major part. Cool. Yeah. And and then what what happens if you haven't got that case study then? Have you is the template you have you got what's your magic checklist, Liam? Shall I reel it off? Right. Yeah, let's so my now we had training from a creative director down in in, in in London that, that listed off what he looks for. Um, 
And it, it, it's there's probably more than this, but my key takeaways were if, if it's a website, if the, the portfolio is a website and quite a few designers might have a PDF, yep. but, but the best is, is a, a link to a website. Um, the first question he would ask is, did, did they design the website as yep. if it was a problem? So if you've not got much to <laughs> okay. put on and, and you're building a, a, a portfolio, design it how you would design like a, a website, for example. Or, um, and, and, and then the next question off the back of that is, is, is how did you build it? Was it through WordPress or was it something you did yourself? Was it a package? Just to learn more about how they like to work, you know, if they're technical or, or if they're not. Um, and it's not a, not a problem kind of like either way, but you just learn more more about them. Um, the particular portfolio it, it is all about a journey. So do, do I navigate through their portfolio in a way that is like UX friendly and accessible and, and all of that? There's some more visual things that he would look for, like typography and the language and uh, and and that kind of stuff. Um, does it tell a story? He'd like to to have the website that it's it's solving a problem. Does it tell a story? Has it got a beginning, a middle, and an end? Do they mention data as a big part, like wider business strategy? I think so much for our clients, depending on what level of of design position somebody's going for, it's all about balancing. The, the user balancing the, the business in terms of dealing with these kind of stakeholders and strategy of the business uh, and also dealing with tech constraints obviously off the back of that uh, so we, we it's always good to see some kind of some kind of language in there in your case studies that that demonstrates that that you're used to like looking at the numbers and what it means to the business as well as what it means to to the user so it's a, a bit of a, a balancing act what did they personally do as well as the, the business and what the project was? Uh, and then the last one, we always just, we, we look at the portfolio on a, on a computer, on a laptop or whatever, but always just have a quick look on the phone as well. Just see the compatibility on, on the phone. So there's, there's sort of like quite a, quite a quick checklist that we, we just quickly go through. Cool. Like it. Like it. I yeah. suppose that that's quite a good one, actually having a look on uh, phones um, because some of these hiring managers are busy people and yeah. they, they don't touch, uh, you know, laptops or desktop machines that, that often. Uh, so the only way of doing it is on a commute or things like that. So, yeah, so, mm. uh, good, good tip. Um, I've seen some horrible things on mobile that I've been sent in. Um, <laughs> I've also, I also, I'm sick of seeing uh, Spotify redesigns as well. Everybody loves loves to redesign Spotify for some reason. So <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you do you get any of that? Do you get any of uh, those kind of like big website redesigns and uh, yeah. portfolios and and what? Yeah. what what do you say to do you say just take it out or um yeah i do because it, you, you just want to you don't really want to be doing the, the the same as everyone else really you kind of want to demonstrate your work and it's it's so hard to to get a portfolio uh, i totally get that because it's hard even if it's if it's your first job or, or first job heading into to ux it's hard to have like a, a wealth of, of, of case studies to write about to put into a portfolio. But it's also harder for more seasoned UX designers with 
various NDAs and stuff like that, they might not be able to talk about it. Or it's just hard to find the time to, to keep on top of portfolios and things, right? Yeah. Um, but I would say if, if you can avoid putting something like that in, um, do or, or just do something different. Like, like I mentioned earlier about charities or, or redesigning something different um, to, does tend to go a long way. But it, like I say, everybody does the big ones. Trying to land that dream job in uh, as yeah. a junior designer at Spotify. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's a, it's a tough gig <laughs> to, to do that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So kind of like uh, we've gone through portfolios. Uh, has anyone else got any questions about portfolios? So what what things have you seen um, on portfolios that have really made people stand out from the crowd that have really gained, uh, you know, like a really good response and has been quite clever? Um, yeah, really good question. Um, so uh, the, the best ones are like, I think the best ones are, are, are quite simple, to be honest. And um, the, the best ones will show some visuals, uh, but it, it is more about um, more about the case studies. So I, I, it's hard to highlight something in particular because there's been several, but um, it, it's nice to get it working and looking right and pretty, pretty slick. Um, but but the best ones are uh, ones that have talked about decent problems uh, and how they solved a, a decent problem, really. So going into pretty, pretty decent detail about the whole process, I think it's really important to to, to list your process and, and what you did. From, from from the end to end as much as possible so i think i think they're the best ones really is yeah it looks great and it's pretty quick and it's you know all user friendly and accessible and all that and it's got pretty colors but but taking you to to different areas of the project and this is what we did here's my post-its on the wall that we did here's a workshop that we did here's our mock-ups and wireframes and and, and all of that to show and and this is this is the end product and then to talk about next steps you know, because UX is always ongoing. I think too too many designers might just put on a screenshot of a website and say, hey, look what I did. But it's hard to work out what that person particularly did because they didn't do the whole website nine times out of ten. Uh, but also what the next steps are. It's all about constant improvement and innovation. Um, so as well as what works right, what did you learn from it? What didn't work right? Um, it, it's it's pretty good to pretty good to show. What kind of portfolio do you expect to see from like a junior as opposed to someone who's more senior, and then finally someone who's more of a head? Because I imagine that all three of those portfolios are for different. You know, they've, they've got to have differences. Surely, you wouldn't expect a head to look like a junior. But what are the main differences that make that a head portfolio, and what are the main differences that make that a junior? Port- Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. For most heads um, don't really have portfolios, to be honest. Um, the more senior you get, the more, I suppose, the more hard it is to talk about um, things. It, 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 there's an awful lot of NDAs that, that you, you just can't put it on a website or, or talk about it. But, but most heads will, will have a document as opposed to a website. I, I would say for the most part, it's not for everybody, but mo- most heads of would have a list of of case studies or, or things that they can talk about, um, but they're more about um, their CVs are, 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 are stronger. I would say they, they go into more detail on the CV, um, so they'll talk more about 
what their team did and, and how they managed stakeholders and, and more on the business strategy thing. Whereas more juniors, quite, quite naturally, um, will, will, ha- will be more visually led. And it might not be sort of commercial experience. It, it might be like a year's commercial experience where they'll talk about the projects that they did there. So it's a yeah, it's a, a bit of a balance really. That the more junior ones will 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 talk more about what they want to be doing and and where, where they want to be going, and and will will show what they've done maybe through their studies or volunteer work, uh, or maybe mocking up what Spotify should look like. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, hopefully not. But uh, it's it's more about yeah, this is what what I've done. Here's some lovely visuals. This is what I did at university. Here's some quite quite often like funny projects like you mentioned your friend that that will will go through and redesign websites a a lot of juniors do and 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 should be doing that really uh so it's interesting that the the more senior you get the more less visual it is really your portfolio and and that works well it's it's more about strategy when you get to like a head of level i suppose so those those case studies as well and you were talking about data and putting data in there and I've seen some case studies come through to me and, and they get, uh, oh, I did a 3% uprise in traffic. Mm. Uh, and I think, you know, kind of what metrics should we be putting on there? Because is, is that a good one? Is that what recruiters are looking for? I think so. I think <laughs> so. And it's, um, it's, it's tough for, for a recruiter because um, – I couldn't do what you guys do, yeah. Um, <laughs> but I, I learn what um, what a client that we work with. I, I learn the kind of language that they want to hear, and quite often at the the head of level, um, who's that head going to report into? So if we're talking about we need to get a junior designer a position, we're we're, we're largely talking with with UX managers or leads or heads off, and they're quite happy to learn more about the visual and and what that person uh, is passionate about and and what projects they've worked on. But if we're if we're working with a with a head of UX and we're trying to find a head of UX, chances are we're we're dealing with a senior very senior member of the business that will hire for a head of UX, right? And they do want to hear a different language than what a UX manager would want to hear. They kind of want to hear more numbers and more more business. And right, that's great. Um, this head of UX has you know, done, done some really great work in the past, but how, how is it going to impact my business? How is this uh, redesign of our website or our software or whatever, how, how is it going to impact it? Can we see some examples of of where positive sort of like quite often financial or traffic or whatever where, where that kind of impact has been made in the past so it, it is all about who you're who you're dealing with and, and the language that that person wants to hear and i think that's also a point as to why quite naturally portfolios change with the more experience you get it's because who's hiring for that person you know, the background of the person is so important you kind of mentioned it, the, the personality and getting that through is, is quite key yeah. uh, to kind of like uh, anybody um, recruiting and kind of like I've, I've seen loads of CVs and when they have no personality on, just turns me off straight away. Yeah. And I want to see that. I want to see them. I want to see what they're about. And sometimes it's not the work and sometimes it's the, you know, kind of like, are these a decent person? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh you know what's quirky and what's weird about this person and i like that <laughs> so i i know when uh interviewing mark 
um, came in with a, a slug on his hand inadvertently, uh, <laughs> and when we sh- when we shook hands, uh, this this slug dropped off, and it was just uh, hilarious. And I they, I felt I fell for him because I thought that really puts you off an interview, but actually it made him really stand out and how he dealt with it uh, above anybody else we were interviewing at the time, um, which was really nice. <laughs> I, still, I still insist that slug came from you, Paul. <laughs> you know, I didn't know where it came from. <laughs> I'm just I'm just a slug breeder in my spare time. <laughs> it's certainly one of the most memorable interviews I've had because of that. It was a remarkable moment. Totally, totally. It's good. Um, also, Liam, I kind of if you're going for uh, different jobs, if you're moving across, say, from uh, an e-commerce business to a fintech business, mm-hmm. is should there be a difference on portfolios and and how you pitch those? No, no, I don't think so. Um, okay. I don't think so. I think um, I, I think it's important to tailor your application. Or if you work with a with a recruiter, it's their job to tailor why they're why they're looking to leave a particular sector to join that particular business. Um, but I, I wouldn't I wouldn't change your portfolio too much. I think what, what's interesting about UX is there's there's a lot more movement uh, in terms of people. Uh, move around more than than what they might in in another area of technology, um, and I think that's because and and I, I, I'm not trying to generalise here. Software developers um, might move around slightly less because their roles, or, or it's more important about team fit. Yeah, they're, they're more important about um, getting on with their colleagues and things, as opposed to the, the, obviously other other variables. But a UX designer, uh, for the most part, has got to be happy with quite a number of things, uh, the problems they're solving, the projects they're working on, the business. So I, I think for the most part, UX designers, if you're moving from a job to another job, you kind of know what, what, what you want and what you're looking for. So I think that there's not really too much need to tailor things too much because um, the, the UX designers I work with are, are pretty much pretty clear with with where they want to work and uh, and you know, what kind of sector, for example, what kind of problems that they want to be solving and what kind of users they want to be helping. So they're, they're normally pretty clear and, and they try and tailor their portfolios to, to what kind of designer they are to, to fit for that. So I wouldn't worry too much. If, if you're quite open about the sectors that you're looking to go into or the different companies you're looking to work, um, I, I, I wouldn't worry too much. I, I think there's sort of cliches that saying try and be like true to yourself in terms of the work you've done, the portfolio you've built. Uh, but but try and tailor applications really. Um, always try and tailor it. And, and like you said about personality, it, it's it's so important in UX to to show that personality. Most people that I work with, like head of UXs and UX directors, personality pieces are so important. So in in, in terms of CVs, then um, what what's your advice for people writing their CV? I I see loads of CVs and they have arbitrary ratings on their uh, skills in uh, oh. Photoshop or whatever. You know, is that useful? Do people find that useful? Uh, no, I hate it. I absolutely yeah. hate seeing the. I take them off or ask them to take them off. Who is eight stars out of 10 on Sketch? I don't know. 
how do you quantify that? But, um, <laughs> Not me, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I think it's really important to list the um, environments you've worked in, the tools you can use, um, the tools you've worked with. Uh, I think UX is... It's it's pretty good because it's not one of those software positions where they've got to have X years amount of experience in .NET or or, or whatever. Um, UX, if you know one, I don't know any, so I probably shouldn't comment. But if you know one <laughs> yep. wireframing tool, you can pick up another one pretty quickly. So we rarely work with businesses where they say they've got to have worked with this. That rarely happens, and if it's this, it's usually they've got to work with Sketch, uh, which which most people have. Uh, for the most part, it's we're not worried. They've got to work, have worked with a wireframing tool. Um, so that's not too important. You see software developers where they've got to say that they've worked with all the different languages, and I get that, but, but UX is different. I think you've got to put what you've worked with you haven't got to grade yourself, <laughs> I wouldn't say. Um, but I, I do think it, it's it's more, your CV should be pretty brief, in my opinion. I think it's, or you want to get people directed to your portfolio if you've got one. And it's it's pretty brief. I, this is my degree. This, these are my hobbies. Little introduction. And, and then just go through your, your experience. And just on the experience, just keep bullet points, I would say. Pro- projects you're proud of. Yep. projects you learn from but then have more case studies and war stories and uh, and and nice visuals on 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 your portfolio okay cool uh, and and kind of how are you finding you know it's a weird time we're in at the minute with the coronavirus and things like that how how are you finding you know what's the kind of the ratio of people applying for jobs and then getting through to even first stage interviews uh, we're doing okay it's uh, it's very strange times in 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 yeah. some ways sped up some processes um you know if if, if a particular client needs, needs to hire someone you know it's it's a quicker process now because we haven't got to organize on-site meetings and and all of that so it, in some ways it's it, it's good um there, there's not been too much of a of a spike to be honest in, in applications we normally if i put up a, a ux position in in manchester there, there tends to be 50 to 60 people apply there, there's not too many more than that probably about 10 15 more on average uh, are applying and and i think people are sitting tight uh, those people that were perhaps looking to make a move a month ago are yeah. maybe just going to weather this out for the time being but the people that are looking are still keen to move are, are still out there like it's uh yeah it's it's just a storm that people have got to weather the businesses that are hiring though are, are making quicker decisions and actually if any positive things can come from something like this i think it will be that i think there will be some pretty decent change afterwards in terms of making things quicker and allowing more flexible working yeah. uh, and, and kind of stuff really <laughs> and it's interesting to see a little bit of inside people's mm. houses because you get a bit of their personality through there as well yeah so that's always that's always fun yeah. uh, <laughs> um i remember yeah um don one of my uh second hires in this role he had a uh, a lovely uh, Lego model in the background, and, and because I love Lego myself, we we talked about that for about ten minutes. <laughs> so just to break the ice, uh, it was it was great. 
Liam, in terms of um, the, the the roles, are they changing now? Are you seeing a change and a shift? Because I know uh, back in uh, the mid uh, 2010s, you know, there was a definite focus on kind of having a specialist in research, in design, in animation, in uh, illustration. You you name it, UX copywriting, things like that. Are they still jobs out there or has it moved on? Yeah, there's been a bit of a change, to be honest, for, for the most part. If, if we just look at Manchester, there, there can be some confusion as to what they want a UX designer to, to do. Yep. Um, you know, occasionally we'll, we'll take a, a description for a UX designer and that's not really what they want at all. They just want somebody to, to make pretty things um, <laughs> and, and not really sort of solve solve problems, just make something look nice and, uh, and build it. Uh, but I would say for the most part, there's been a real shift in that again, only over the last eight or nine months in terms of businesses are starting to get it, starting to organize it. Manchester is such a hub for it anyway, but I think even more so now, I think what's changed over the last couple of months, perhaps a bit longer is, is wanting maybe not, I wouldn't call them generalists, but people that can, can contribute across sort of end to end. Yeah. Um, that there's more of a need for that now. I think okay. before, um, yeah, b- b- people, uh, businesses did like to hire a researcher or a designer or a content person or or whatever. But but now they they are quite eager to to bring people in that perhaps gravitate towards research UX or UI, but that can contribute pretty well ac- ac- across the end to end. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, certainly. Uh, um, and then, if if you could kind of wave your magic wand over over your client base, um, and and what's the one skill you'd give everybody uh, straight away? Oh, that's great! I know. <laughs> so, um, so, I don't know. Perhaps not right for a UX podcast, but uh, but, service designer like strategy. Design oh, okay. holistic type stuff. Um, I find it fascinating. Blows my mind. Yep. Um, and then obviously that filters a filters down to us at, at UX and stuff. Um, I don't know. You know what a question that is. Not <laughs> sure. You might have to circle back. Uh, yeah, yeah, fine. Design I find fascinating. So yep. I'll submit that for now. But I might come and come back to you if I can think of a better answer. We're all just redesigning our CVs and portfolios now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, in real time, yeah. <laughs> um, I, do you know what? I did have a couple of questions, and now that you've asked me and I've come off mute, I've com- they've completely just gone out of my head. So, <laughs> oh, it's, it's just great entertainment, isn't it? Oh, no. yeah. <laughs> right, I can all just sit in oh. silence for a couple of seconds whilst I just think. Stacey's got one yeah cool um so what are the skills that are most wanted from UX UI in terms of like do they want people to know how to work with web um or like b2b or like self-service things like that do you know what's kind of up and coming for like UX in terms of because uh, I think that's quite interesting. Because I think there's there's yeah. like a there's quite a lot of web people, like a lot of UX web designers. Um, yeah. And one, the mo- the one that interests me most is like game design. And and when are they going to start using UX people? So do you see any rise in like um, as opposed to just uh, you know most UX is kind of going into web? 
Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think um, it's interesting about game companies are, are, are really busy at the moment. Uh, really busy. I suppose people stuck indoors are just playing on card and, and what. But yeah, but um, I, th- I think you're right. I think uh, an awful lot of designers um, l- like to stick towards purely web or purely app. You know, I, I do speak to uh, UX designers about a position that's largely designing for app, for example. It does put some people off. Um, businesses tend to be quite quite relaxed as long as they've got some experience, but designers like to, or some of the ones that I've spoken to, like, like to stick to what they feel particularly strong about. And if they're particularly strong on, on web or app or whatever, they, they tend to, to lean towards that. But for the most part, businesses, or the ones that we work with anyway, yeah, are, are, are fairly open. I, th- I think it does depend on, on who it is as to what they want somebody's background for. They tend to be more fussy about sort of sector experience if we if we're um hiring for an e-commerce organization they really like people from e-commerce backgrounds or or agency backgrounds so i think there's more of a need to to hire people that have relevant experience w- within that particular sector and and the pace of that sector kind of thing but yeah it, it, i suppose it it depends on on the business i think most businesses like like to hire quite balanced people i think researchers are at the moment um are, are the ones that are sort of particularly specialist within within research and we work with researchers that will will cover uh, yeah occasionally jumping on on more more ux projects but primarily researchers uh, are out and out researchers whereas a, a designer might might sort of flirt sort of end-to-end I, I guess in terms of like um for like uh, people listening um and, and like interested in design and stuff what 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 area do you think is is the best to pursue that's not currently flooded so for example um i get the feeling that there's a lot more juniors in ux and there are seniors and, yeah. and there's a lot more jobs out there for seniors just because there's not many people that have five years above experiencing ux because it's still quite new mm. um, and then also um, in terms of what kind of designer you are, so researcher or, or UX designer or UI designer or UI developer, things like that. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts around that in terms of the marketplace for these kind of roles? Yeah, I think you're right. I think uh, there's, it's all about movement in the market. So there's not an awful lot of movement at senior level. Those guys are particularly hard to, hard to find probably because they're they're working and they enjoy working and and you know senior designer for example may stay put to to get to a lead position or something before before then looking so there's not as much movement um but for for me what's particularly uh, busy at the moment is ux designers that have a a really strong understanding of of software would that be in a coder or without being hands-on or anything like that, there's a real need for, for designers to be able to speak that language. Um, I think for the most part, uh, businesses that, that we work with, probably including Blue Prism, businesses that, w- that, that we work with in, in Manchester are looking to uh, bridge the gap between design and development and have a, a, you know, a much closer relationship. Uh, so if, if I was to highlight one thing, I would say uh, that the real need at the moment is to have people that design with codes and have that kind of relationship with with a development team and being able to understand like fairly sort of complex software problems 
it's a it's a really nice skill to have at the moment. I think even if you don't know how to code, I think the understanding of of code and what it does and some of the pain points around there is is really useful. Mm-hmm. You know, and even if you've just uh, taken up a kind of like an off the shelf uh, template and kind of tweaked around with that, that is better than somebody who's not even touched anything web front. But yeah, mm. it's, an, it's an interesting one. Uh, and uh, Liam, a final question for me before passing it out to everybody else is um, what's the top ask from candidates? What what one thing would make their life better and make them go to a company over another company? Yeah, that's a good question because they ask a lot. I um, know oh, they, they do. Them. <laughs> <laughs> Us designers, uh, we're very picky. <laughs> we're a picky bunch. You know, is it like garden rooms, fancy furniture? Yeah. Uh, you know, statues yeah. of uh, Darth Vader in the corner, things like that. <laughs> I would say, um, for the most part, is uh, about vision, where where they want to go, what they want to do, both. Uh, as a as a product or as a business, uh, but also as a, as a, t- uh, a team. Uh, am I joining the team at a, at a time that, that is good, where we're going to be doing good problems, solving good problems, uh, and and the wider business? Well, what, what are they doing? Um, so I would say that that's probably probably the highlight. I think uh, UX designers uh, have, have got to feel that really. Um, there, there's some that can switch it off and, and work for certain sectors that might put some other UX designers off. Uh, but for the most part, um, I would say that they, they always want to know what are the details, what am I going to be working on, uh, but, but what is the vision of, of my immediate team yeah. and, and also the wider product? Um, I, did, I did remember one of my questions. But, oh, uh, on, Nick. I, I don't, I don't know how relevant it is, or uh, especially this late in the podcast. But when when you were going back to talking about how you know an uptick in people applying for jobs and stuff, it, do you think now is actually not not such a bad time to be looking for a job and applying for jobs? Then, because you know, just if anyone's listening to this and they might have been furloughed or mm. um, made unemployed, it might just be interesting for them to know whether it's a great time or a terrible time to, yeah. to bother even looking for a job at the moment. Yeah. Um, I actually think it's a good time. Uh, you'd expect me to say it, uh, being with the line of work that I'm in, but it is a good time to be looking. And the reason for that is that the, the people that are hiring, the businesses that are hiring right now are hiring because they need to be. You know, some businesses that have put roles on hold because they're not critical or, 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 or whatever the reason might be, that's they, they've been put on, obviously been pushed back. But the businesses that are looking are hiring because they need to be. Um, yeah. And they will bring people in. They'll hire people quicker. But also the other, um, it is quite a competitive landscape. Um, I take, taking a, a UX designer position, it is, it is quite competitive. You're normally against a few other people. Um, but the, the other side of it, People that, that may have been looking um, four weeks ago to, to, to leave a company, uh, are, are some of them are sitting tight now and are just going to weather out this storm and see what happens. So I would say that there's not as many jobs there now. Don't stop applying. I would say if you, if you want to leave, if you still want to find something else, 
and there's an advert up there or or whatever or or, or you, you you know you want to make an introduction to the company still do that because just because there's not something out there and what we're doing at the moment is, is starting to work with clients that need somebody or, or did need somebody during the, the last couple of weeks but had to put it on hold for whatever reason as soon as it goes back to normal as soon as we flip the switch to say everybody's back everybody's back in work everybody's back in pubs now as soon as we flip that switch it's just going to be like a flurry so we're, we're starting to line up people so i would say still still make introductions still apply to roles it's less competitive uh, and and the adverts that are out there now the people that are hiring are hiring because they have to and the process is a lot quicker it's all done remote we haven't got to worry about you taking time off work to go and meet them it's all done really quick uh, but also yeah. if it's a business that you knew was hiring three four weeks ago and, and you still want to work for that business make an introduction do an application because whilst they're not hiring now in two three four weeks time they definitely will be um, so it's a good time to still still make an introduction and sort of line yourself up. Where do you see UX going in the future, like UX UI? Do you see it kind of, do you think more companies are going to want UX? Do you think rather than just, because at the moment I feel like most companies, you get like one UX designer for like five or six, seven programmers, mm. um, you know, that kind of thing. Do you think UX is going to actually become, you know, you're going to have more UX people like you have programmers? Do you think that, it's kind of going to branch out more into different things because it is such a wide spectrum of things that UX designers kind of look at. Mm-hmm. Um, what's the kind of vision for the future of UX, and is it a, is it a role that's going to continue to grow and 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 be you know necessary? Uh, yeah, I think so. Uh, for for most industries, it is what what's really interesting is you can ask t- ten business, ten hiring managers, or ten businesses where do you see the future of design or where do you see the future of UX design? And you'll, you'll, you will get 10 different answers. So it, it is an interesting one. Um, me personally, I, there will always be a need for it. But also uh, a lot of businesses are interested in maybe not digital design. I, th- I think there will be with with, with the rise of robotics or, or whatever, there, there may be a rise in or strategy pieces like service design uh, without something like a complete um, sort of geek about it. It's, it's really exciting. I appreciate it's not new, but a lot of the businesses that we're working with are kind of seeing the value in that and, and having more holistic sort of strategy designers that can contribute on, on digital things as well. And I think with the rise of, I don't know, you guys would know more than me, but with the rise of automation or robotics or, or whatever, where where a lot of it is, is easier now, it, it's going to be more about the end-to-end project uh, um, user journey as opposed to just uh, digital and I know that's a major part of UX anyway is to have that holistical view but I think that that's a particular element that that will get bigger uh, among teams and certainly some of our clients are using it as a way to 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 scope their own business as in we'll hire researchers and service designers and and we'll get all of that rich data and, and map out all the touch points and then we'll work out from that where they need to grow their business or or for example what technology that they need to bring in and for you know in accordance with all the data that they found from users so pretty interesting but yeah in all honesty you'd probably have a lot better idea than i would but i I would definitely say uh that holistical strategy piece is is going to be huge i think Um, and but more sort of balanced 
balanced design is, uh, I think, will be morphed uh, during the next four or five years. Is it just about the um, the role of, of service design and things like that. And so, if you if you put out a um, you know a, a job description for for what a service designer is or what their role is, yeah. what what is that? Um, so, for example, I was working with um, a, a local uh, housing organisation, and they were wanting to to bring in on uh, bring on a couple of service designers, and the reason for that was a way to try and uh, try and combat the local homelessness problem. Um, so they 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 were utilising service design to do that, and mm-hmm. and the, the, what they did was got out, spoke to users, did all, all that research. A lot of service designers come from research backgrounds. It's, it's, it's very common. Whereas designers, I think it's really great to have a diverse background and service designers absolutely the same. So I'd encourage everyone to, to, to at least like look into it a little bit and see if it's your cup of tea. But service designers tend to come from research backgrounds. And, and this particular organization where they had a problem and they, it wasn't necessarily a digital problem. They wanted somebody that could look above, talk to users, look through all that data, but somebody that could look above and contribute on, on UX. And, and it, it did touch on various digital things as well. But they worked out that from, from mapping out the process, the end-to-end customer journey from when somebody loses the home to, to when they sadly, unfortunately, end up on, on the Manchester streets, they worked out that somebody's homeless they can get to the person that is homeless before they are if you see what i mean so they just mapped out the whole user journey of how do we how do we get that person before that person loses their home how do we get to that person uh, and it's how do we speed up the process from from getting that person support whether it's financial or another home or whatever so it's all about ironing out the process so uh, uh, most of that wasn't digital at all so uh, that was a really long answer, by the way. So sorry about that. But they wanted somebody that was research heavy, can can talk to users and work with data and map out, like you would map out the user journey of a website, but just map out that journey uh, of everything, really, uh, sort of end to end. Brilliant. I hope uh, everybody's questions got answered. Uh, Liam, it, um, it's been fascinating to talk to you, and I could talk uh, much longer, but we've kind of run out of time, uh, and I'm I'm the one who has to edit it, which is uh, <laughs> so, which is the reason why I selfishly cut this short. <laughs> so, um, but but thank you, uh, thank you for appearing on our show, and um, yeah, I hope everybody listening find it really insightful. I sure did and and thanks to um all the team for asking questions so uh thank you very much absolutely cool. thanks Liam yeah. I'll be in touch with my CV and portfolio uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> as long as I get a referral fee that's fine <laughs> <laughs> alright you can pay Paul in slugs thanks for that Liam that was yep. wonderful definitely thanks, thanks Liam been a pleasure thank you. thank you very much cheers see you soon thank you bye bye This has been Faster Horses. See you next time.